Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. Here, we talk about Chinese culture and history through Chinese dramas. This is Kathy. And this is Karen. Today, we are going to discuss episode 27 of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. If you are new to the podcast and the drama, we recommend listening to the intro to the drama episode to get your bearings and learn what this drama is about. You can watch this drama on YouTube. Just search Empresses in the Palace and it'll pop up. I took a look. I don't know if there are English subtitles moving forward, so we'll do our best to recap the rest of the series. Let's get started. This episode is a doozy. A lot of things happened. The episode begins with the Emperor Huang Shang visiting Shen Meizhuang. She was previously very favored by the Emperor, but she fell victim to a fake pregnancy scandal and was demoted. With some help from Jin Huan, the truth came out and she was reinstated to her rank of noble lady. The emperor is willing to mend their relationship, but she is very much opposed to this. She backs away at his attempts to even touch her. She's not rude, but she's not very welcoming. Also, is it me or is her clothing even darker now? She wore purple before, but right now her purple is like a darker shade. She seems more subdued. She's not as vibrant as before. Karen, what do you think? Agreed. And that's uh, reflected in her attitude towards the emperor. You'll recall that we talked about chrysanthemums back in episode four of this drama. And it is Shen Meizhuang's favorite flower. She loves it because of the jie or the integrity of the flower. The chrysanthemum would rather wilt on its stem than blow into the north wind. That's the uh, translation of the poem that Shen Meizhuang recites when discussing this chrysanthemum flower. This attitude or this integrity is fully being reflected by Shen Meizhuang now. She is basically saying to the emperor um, through her actions that you didn't trust me at all. You are very cold hearted. You discarded me. And because of that, I will not bend back to be your lover. She ultimately is holding her ground against the emperor and decides to not welcome him back with open arms, which honestly is quite an action in the imperial harem. Without the emperor's attention, you really can't survive. She is totally okay with that, though. It's like she seems resigned to being stuck or left in the palace without attention. If we think about this a little bit more, what does this mean? She is probably not going to further her career within the imperial harem. She might be completely discarded. She might be ridiculed by the rest of the servants because we know that servants care a lot about who's in favor and who's not in favor. She is totally okay with that, which I think is really commendable. I am very impressed for her uh, making this decision and acting in this way. If there is anything to be said about Shen Meizhuang is that she is very much like her favorite flower, the chrysanthemum. She has that level of integrity, which honestly also may be seen as stubbornness. But hey, she has made her decision. She is not going to back down and bend uh, and go back to welcoming the emperor. I also do think that because of her father's rank and position in the imperial court, she can do this. She doesn't need that favor. I mean, her family is not as wealthy as Hua Fei, but 
she's not in the same position as Anling Rong, where she has nothing. So she can live relatively comfortably without any favor from the emperor. That's what I think. Spurned by Shen Meizhuang, the emperor visits his favorite concubine, Jin Huan. Remember, she's pregnant, and he has a gift for her. A pear blossom plucked by himself. He's in a happy mood and praises her to high heaven. He's like, no one can compare to your beauty. This is one more flower for us, the pear blossom. They represent purity of love. Jin Huan, for some reason, laments that no one has done a pear blossom makeup. There's a famous plum blossom makeup, but she says white isn't very conducive for makeup. So um, she's kind of like, well, that's sad. The emperor disagrees and says, it's not hard to do so. Let me let me paint something for you. And because pear blossoms are generally white. And when we say makeup, it's kind of like um, if you've seen, if you aren't watching the drama, the, the, the makeup is like putting some type of design on your forehead with um, like a red dot or some type of flower on your forehead. It's not actually a certain style of makeup. Well, the emperor and Jin Huan have this cute little session. He paints a pink pear blossom on her forehead. He uses rouge with the white to make the pink. Jin Huan remarks, this is beautiful, but it doesn't look real. To which the emperor responds, it doesn't have to be real as long as it's beautiful. Let's bookmark this for later. It's pretty important. And I think it also foreshadows a lot about uh, his relationship with her. He names the style Xiao Li Zhuang, or beautiful pear makeup. The topic then shifts to Shen Zhuang and the plague. There are still remnants of the plague within the palace. Rumor has it the two doctors, Jiang Cheng and Jiang Shen, are taking bribes from the servants. Whoever can pay will get the antidote. And you'll see and you'll remember that these two doctors work for Huafei and they're the ones who magically came up with the, um, the antidote or the remedy for this plague. This is a sticky situation for the emperor. He does not want doctors like them in his employ, but they're the only ones with the cure. Jin Huan right here seizes the opportunity to reveal that it was actually Wen Shichu, her childhood friend, who wrote the original cure. These two doctors merely stole it. Jin Huan wants to dispatch these two, but she doesn't have a solution. Like Karen said, they are a part of Huafei's posse, and it wouldn't look good to have two doctors suddenly sentenced to death. The emperor waves this worry away. He's like, there are plenty of ways to eliminate them. The conversation then shifts to Jin Huan's birthday. The emperor wants to make a big hullabaloo about it for her and her baby. Now pay attention to this next line. Jin Huan naively asks, You love children, and you're always at Huafei's place. Why is she not pregnant? The emperor, without missing a beat, kind of like nonchalantly responds, She will never have children. What does that mean? This is shocking news to Jin Huan. She presses a little bit, but the emperor does not respond. 
I think this, depending on how you view it, you'll also realize that this, or I realize that this was kind of like a brain fart on his end. He should not have let it slip. Again, let's put this together. Last episode, the Empress Dowager's maid said, don't tell. And now the Emperor straight up just says she will not have children. It's not she can't have children. She will not have children. So something's up. That night, there's some ominous music, and the emperor orders his core of assassins, Xue Dizi, to murder the two Jiang doctors. He commands that this has to be discreet. No one can find out about this. He tells Xia Yi, the leader, to keep a close eye on the imperial court, especially for anyone with rebellious tendencies. The two young doctors are quickly dispatched. The next morning, Huafei receives the news and she is stunned. She quickly reports this to the emperor. He, of course, acts all somber and tells her that he'll get to the bottom of this. Let's, let's rewind right here. Huafei and these two doctors were accused by the doctor Liu Bin for the pregnancy scandal involving Shen Meizhuang. The emperor, though, could not punish them because they found the cure for the plague. With the news that Wen Shichu was the original author, the emperor was free to eliminate these two doctors, dealing a big blow to Huafei. This is the first time we see the emperor actually taking an action against Huafei, and he does so in a way that when Huafei comes and says, oh my gosh, you need to take a look, he does not let anything slip that he was the one who actually ordered the hit. So right now, um, all it does not seem as lovey-dovey between these two over here. Now we are going to pivot to something a little bit lighter. The emperor is making a big deal of Jin Huan's birthday, which is coming up. So much so that he invited the handsome 17th prince, Guo Jun Wang, to help plan it. We haven't seen him in a while, but the reason why... Huang Shang, the emperor, asks Guo Jun Wang is because the emperor thinks that he doesn't have all of the um, great ideas, but Guo Jun Wang does. Little does he know, he's um, bringing together some uh, star-crossed lovers, <laughs> potentially. They are, while they're having this conversation, the emperor and the 17th prince are enjoying the painting of uh, Guo Guo Furen Yu Chun Tu, which is the Lady Guo Guo Spring Outing. We'll discuss this painting later as it's actually quite important and interesting. Moving forward, it is April 17th, the day of Jin Huan's birthday. Everyone is at the Peony Pavilion in the Summer Palace, Yuan Min Yuan, for this festivity. Huafei is extremely jealous that Jin Huan got this honor and the camera pans to the wives of the princes in attendance as well. They all have the beauty pear blossom makeup on their forehead that the emperor had drawn on uh, Jin Huan's face head earlier in the episode. Cao Guiren, one of the ladies who is Team Huafei, loudly describes that this is very much in vogue throughout the capital city and it's all thanks to Jin Huan. Of course, the rest of the concubines all get very salty. Jin Huan checks in on her friend Shen Meizhuang while everyone is still chatting. 
Jin Huan reminds Shen Zhuang that even if you don't care, you still need the emperor's favor. That is how you survive. Shen Zhuang is apathetic to this remark because she's so over it, as we've discussed earlier. There's nothing really that Jin Huan can do. Jin Huan, who is pretty much making the rounds in this uh, festivities right now, then walks over and talks to the wife of a prince sitting next, sitting nearby. So this wife is um, the wife of a brother of the emperor. We've talked about him a, a bit previously. She currently has the beauty pear blossom makeup on her forehead. The beauty pear blossom makeup is all the rage in Beijing, which makes Jin Huan quite the trendsetter. The socialites in Beijing also want to show that they have a happy marriage. And if your husband has the time to draw this on your forehead for you, then it's a sign of a tranquil and harmonious marriage. Who wouldn't want this? The conversations are then interrupted by the 17th prince, Guo Junwang, because it is time for Jin Huan's actual present. The audience all head out to the lake to watch what surprise he has. And what a sight to behold. There is a sky full of kites greeting them. And the emperor brings Jin Huan closer to the lake. And they see that the lotus flowers are in full bloom. The view is kept off by Guo Junwang walking up to them, performing a piece called Feng Huang Yufei, or Phoenixes in the Sky, on his bamboo flute. This truly is a special birthday gift because it's April on the lunar calendar, which means it's most likely May in the Gregorian calendar. And in Beijing, it's still relatively chilly and not the season for lotus flowers to bloom. The 17th prince, Guo Junwang, planted the lotus roots and diverted warm water from nearby hot springs into this lake to make the flowers bloom during the season. Now that is dedication. We'll analyze this a bit more later. The celebration ends with Jin Huan's mother also receiving an honorary title of the third rank, or a Gaoming Furen. Back at her palace, Huafei looks as though she can murder someone, because this is quite a high honor for a woman. Huafei is very peeved that Jin Huan's family is getting so much attention. This is very much a threat to her own position. Unfortunately, Cao Guiren bears the brunt of Huafei's anger, receiving vicious insults. Huafei openly declares her desire to eliminate Jin Huan. And uh, right now, Cao Guiren can only just accept this. Unfortunately, the rest of the episode isn't um, as rosy. Remember the cute and bubbly Chun Changzai? She's the adorable foodie that's Pretty young, but loves hanging out with Jin Huan. She's no threat to anyone and is generally a, a pretty cute person. She has no nefarious thoughts and just likes spending time with Jin Huan and eating food. She's hanging out with Jin Huan and they decide to go out to fly a kite, or at least Chun Changzai flies the kite while Jin Huan watches. Problem is, Chun Changzai's kite breaks, and she goes to grab it herself. However, in the process of retrieving her kite, she overhears Huafei discussing some shady business with her servants or her eunuch. On a side note, there's a quick costume continuity error. 
when Chun Changzai is flying the kite, she's still wearing her flower pot bottom shoes. But when she's climbing the rocks to grab her kite, she's wearing flat shoes. Obviously, this is very much uh, to help the actress. It's very hard, I'm sure, to wear those shoes. So there's no reason for her to be wearing them as she's <laughs> climbing around on some rocks. <laughs> Basically, what happens is that Huafei is enacting her corrupt plans, trying to figure out how to get more money, which, of course, Huafei wants to keep quiet. Chun Changzai hears this but isn't sneaky. Huafei discovers Chun Changzai overhearing the conversation, and so sad. The result is that Chun Changzai, this adorable girl, is unfortunately eliminated by a eunuch. No, it really doesn't pay to be a foodie. She was only around for a few episodes and she was so cute and so sweet. Why did she have to die? Ultimately, though, if you're in the Imperial Harem, if you're too naive, too sweet, this is your fate. How many women have died in the palace already? Let's add this to the list. It's really sad. And she, and, and she didn't do anything. She wasn't even, like, evil. She didn't deserve <sighs> I this. I know. She basically was in the wrong place at the wrong time. During this whole scene, though, Cao Guiren, who is the concubine on Team Huafei, sees everything that happens, and she actually goes to intercept Jin Huan as she's waiting out in the garden to prevent Jin Huan from discovering anything was amiss too early. Jin Huan and Cao Guiren have a conversation, which we'll discuss in more detail, but ultimately, Cao Guiren decides to tip off Jin Huan, that something is wrong. Jin Huan frantically asks her servants to find Chun Changzai. She's been missing for a while now. Later that evening, the servants report that Chun Changzai was discovered and she had drowned. Jin Huan is heartbroken, as are we. I'm so sad. This episode ends with Jin Huan hearing from a servant that there is no way Chun Changzai could have drowned because she is actually a good swimmer. So Jin Huan can only surmise that Chun Changzai was murdered, but as they have no evidence, there's nothing they can do. Ugh. So far, the death of Chun Changzai has been the saddest. She didn't do anything wrong except be friends with Jin Huan and, like we said, be in the wrong place at the wrong time. They didn't even give us a, 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 a shot of her body. So, you know, I know. <laughs> That's it. She's, she's gone. All right. It is now time for our analysis. There's a lot to discuss. The first will be the painting Guo Guo Furen Yo Chun Tu or the Lady Guo Guo Spring Outing on display for the Emperor and the 17th Prince. This specific painting has a very interesting history, but also has no meaning or like no importance in the drama whatsoever. They're just like looking at this painting. Yeah. <laughs> the original painting was commissioned and completed during the Tang Dynasty in 752 AD by the artist Zhang Xuan. The main subject of the painting is Lady Guo. She is the third sister of the famous Yang Guifei. We talked about Yang Guifei previously um, in other episodes. She was one of the most favored concubines of a Tang Dynasty emperor. And again, Yang Guifei is known to be one of the four beauties of Chinese legend and history. 
This painting is one of the prime examples of court life during the reign of Tang Xuanzong. Lady Guo was known for her opulence. She is the lady in the center behind the male guard in white. She's traveling with her other sister and has a cadre of guards and servants in the painting. This painting is peculiar because the focus of the painting is a woman. Before this time and this painter, females were rarely the focus of art. The painter Zhang Xuan led some of that change with this piece, and he is primarily known for his female still figures. Do you know what was the primary focus of art before this? Men, oh. just like men and like art, like not women, <laughs> not like not like not like court women, landscapes. Yeah, like landscapes and stuff. Interesting. The original painting is lost. Unfortunately, none of the original pieces by Zhang Xun survive. Only replicas of his paintings made from the Song Dynasty survive. This replica was held in private collections during the Ming and early Qing Dynasty. So, you know, throughout time. Emperor Qianlong acquired it for his collection during his reign. So this is another bug. We are currently in the reign of Yongzheng. So Qianlong's father. So... Uh, how would Yongzheng be able to see this painting if his son was the one who procured it, right? So not really sure where, where that happened. With the fall of the Qing dynasty, the last emperor, Puyi, smuggled this piece along with other treasures out of the Forbidden Palace. In 1945, Puyi wanted to smuggle these also to Japan, but he was caught. This specific painting has been in the collection of the Liaoning Museum since 1948. Um, I don't think it's on display often, but this has a pretty, pretty interesting history. And again, like Karen said, they're just what they're they're just seeing this, you know, like no biggie. That, I think that was really interesting. I did not know that, so thank you. The next topic we're going to discuss is the birthday presents from the 17th Prince, Guo Wang. We haven't seen him in a while, as we've said, and he definitely knocked it out of the park with uh, these gifts. The kites were cool, but the big wow factor here were the lotus flowers. He explained how he was able to get the lotus flowers to bloom, and I also think that there is another hidden meaning as to why he picked lotus flowers to begin with. Back in episode 19, Chen Huan snuck onto Guo Jinwang's boat after visiting Shen Meizhuang, who was at the time under house arrest. If you recall, they had a whole conversation about lotus flowers and the purity of the flower and uh, among other things. Go check out that episode. I think we had a very interesting discussion. Maybe here he's trying to evoke some of those memories by... Uh, picking uh, lotus flowers to display. He also performs a piece called Feng Huang Yufei, or Phoenixes in the Sky, on his flute. This story originally comes from the Book of Songs, which was compiled during the Zhou Dynasty back in the 11th to 7th centuries BC, so a long, long time ago. This Zhou Dynasty is when Confucius lived, and this is one of the earliest dynasties that we've discussed in this drama so far. So the phoenixes in the sky represent a harmonious marriage and is commonly used as a phrase of good fortune for newlyweds. So quite fitting for the emperor and his concubine, Jin Huan. But I don't know it is specifically very apt for this occasion, though, because 
We've talked about this before. Fenghuang or a phoenix represents the empress. Huang Hou, the empress, we've seen in previous episodes, care a lot about being reflected as the Fenghuang or the phoenix. So if Guo Jinwang, the 17th prince, is playing this song that describes uh, this phoenix and is for Jin Huan, I don't know if that's a really great way to, um, I don't really, I don't know if that's like the best representation. It could be misconstrued in a negative manner. And of course, Huang Ho could uh, take this in a negative light. And finally, I want to discuss a little bit more about Cao Guiren. We've discussed her at length before, but in this episode, we get some more examples of just how calculating and shrewd she is. We have a quick scene that reveals Cao Guiren's own shaky predicament. She can only do Hua Fei's bidding. She does not have a powerful family to back her up, so what can she do? On the surface, she is firmly on Team Hua Fei, but there are several times in this episode where she tries to play the game to protect herself even from Hua Fei. Hua Fei is overbearing and abusive in many ways. She used the daughter of Cao Guiren as a tool to gain favoritism and destroy others, which Cao Guiren right now cannot forgive. So Cao Guiren is trying to figure out the best way to protect her daughter and herself. Cao Guiren is constantly analyzing every situation in Hougong, the imperial harem, to see what is the best move. The first example in this episode occurs during Jin Huan's birthday celebration. She snarkily informs the rest of the concubines about the Jiao Li Zhong or the beauty pair makeup. I can't tell if Hua Fei knows about the origins, but Hua Fei becomes extremely upset at this news. I think Cao Guiren is purposefully stirring the pot to make the other concubines jealous. But, you know, why doesn't she insult Jin Huan? She wants to draw more attention to Jin Huan um, by making Hua Fei more jealous? I mean, I, I don't really get this. She could have just been like, you know, this is not really pretty. Karen, what do you think? Well, I, I just don't understand. She's willing to draw attention to Jin Huan, but she's not directly insulting her. That's, I think, where she's also incredibly clever. She knows how to direct people's fury at someone, but not doing it in a way that is direct. Yeah, she's like not disparaging her. Yeah, that's why she is such a dangerous character. She's not outright attacking anybody, right? Yeah. Here's the second example. Cao Guiren and her maid are actually the first ones who spot Chun Changzai overhearing Hua Fei's bribery scheme. Cao Guiren's maid wants to verbally warn Hua Fei, but Cao Guiren quickly prevents her from doing so. She instead throws a rock into the pond to draw Hua Fei's attention. Now, throwing the rock is a very shrewd choice. By throwing the rock, she does not draw attention to herself. It's not clear at right now if Cao Guiren knows that Hua Fei's talking about her bribery scheme, you know, with her servants. And she could put herself in danger if Hua Fei thinks she is also privy to this information. Cao Guiren at this point knows exactly what will happen to Chun Changzai. She's basically dead. And she still warns Hua Fei. But she does not make it known who was the one who warned her. You could also make the argument that 
yelling would draw attention away from Chun Changzai. So, you know, that would give her time to escape. But by not yelling, this really kind of puts all of the, the focus on Chun Er, Chun Changzai, and not herself, Cao Guiren. I think I'm also like, why didn't, why did you have to do anything? You could have just let it go. And here I think it's because she's trying, Cao Guirin is still thinking that she wants to protect Hua Fei because she knows that Chun Changzai is team Jin Huan, right? They're on the same team. I'm just really disappointed that Cao Guirin did this action because the end result is that this poor innocent girl died. One action by Cao Guirin caused this death. Well, I mean, it was either kill or be killed. If Hua Fei, uh, if Chun Er survived and told Jin Huan, Hua Fei's dead, basically. And finally, let's break down this conversation between Cao Guiren and Jin Huan. Like Karen mentioned earlier, Cao Guiren intercepts Jin Huan in an, in an attempt to divert her attention away from discovering Chun Changzai. Chen Huan, none the wiser of what's going on, has a pretty frank conversation with Cao Guiren. I think this is the first time these two ladies really kind of sit down and have an actual conversation about all the things that have happened between the two of them. They talk about, I mean, like the pregnancy plot. They talk about the attempts at poisoning her own daughter. So being very, like laying all the cards out. Jin Huan basically suggests at the end that Cao Guiren should defect to help someone else, such as herself, instead of being on Team Hua Fei. The herself is actually Cao Guiren, not Jin Huan. Cao Guiren here in this conversation is really much considering her options. She hears Jin Huan and certainly feels that she may be right. That's why at the end of the conversation, Cao Guiren tells Jin Huan to uh, look over there which is basically a hint that something is wrong. Otherwise, Jin Huan may still be in the dark about what happened to Chun Changzai. So Cao Guiren right here, I think has listened to Jin Huan. She is very much contemplating or uh, thinking about her options. and But at the same time, she gives herself an out by telling Jin Huan about Chun Changzai. She's saying, hey, something is amiss. And I don't know if this can be construed. She is trying to say this is a favor. If she didn't tell her anything, then maybe like nobody would know about Chun's death. So this hint or giving like tipping off Jin Huan at the end of the conversation is a very, very interesting move on Cao Guiren's part. No, I feel like she's realizing, she's coming around to the fact that, yes, I believe Kwafe may not be the um, the support that I should have and that I should be looking for other teams to be on. And she's not, and I think right now she's not fully ready to defect, but she's kind of giving out feelers to see ultimately in the future, I'm if I do defect to you and I do start helping you, we should be able to work together. That's what I think. In summary, for Cao Guiren, though, I will say we have to pity her and also admire her. Everything she's done has been for her daughter. We know that having children in the Imperial Harem is very difficult with so many miscarriages. So the fact that she was able to come to term 
was impressive. We learn in this episode in particular that she, Cao Guiren, did have a difficult birth session. So she was not completely free from the nefarious deeds in the Imperial harem, but ultimately she was smart enough to birth a child. She, I think, ended up not being a threat to anybody, particularly Huang Ho, because she was smart enough to go onto Team Huafei. Otherwise, I do think that Cao Guiren would have been killed in this process of being pregnant. The fortunate part is that Cao Guiren ultimately had a daughter who knows what would have happened and what people would have done if she actually had a prince. She's done a ton of really shady things, but it really is to protect herself and her daughter. So we do need to pity her for that. That's it for this episode, episode 27 of Ho Gong Jin Huan Chuan. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you with us in the next episode. If you have any comments or questions, please let us know and reach out to us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. Share this with anybody uh, that you think would be interested in learning more about Chinese history or just talking about this drama. Have a good rest of your week.